This is unaffected. Welcome to Unaffected, a podcast that offers a curated look at some obscure, forgotten, and neglected singers of the mid-20th century. I'm your host, Ethan Stoller, and today we're celebrating Pride Month. Happy Pride! Our featured artist today is a woman of great contradictions, paradoxes, someone who reached great heights of artistic achievement and notoriety, but also plunged to depths of obscurity and poverty, and then only to have a renaissance and come back and conquer the world once again. Uh, I am speaking of Chavela Vargas. Now, she is the most famous artist we've covered here on this show, Uh, yet most people I talked to had never heard of her, or maybe if I reminded them some feature of her career and life, they would say, oh, I think, yes, I know who you're talking about. Uh, She's very famous in Mexico, and she does have notoriety in Spain also, but in the United States... Uh, she's still definitely not a household name, despite having played Carnegie Hall later in life. I came to Chavela Vargas kind of on my own. I I bought I buy a lot of records. Okay, let's just put that out there. And I bought a record of hers. Uh, the cover looked interesting. It was from my kind of wheelhouse, you know, era. But I did not listen. I admit, for a while, to that record. And then one day I was like looking for something to listen to, and I said, oh, this is one I haven't played yet. Let's see what it's about. Not expecting to be blown away. <laughs> and from the first two or three syllables I heard, I, my jaw dropped, and I was like, what is this? And I felt like kind of Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz opening the door going from black and white to color and kind of soon discovered what a rich and dynamic figure Chavela Vargas was. So I thought I'd start by playing you this song, this first one I heard. This is No Volveré. Cuando lejos te encuentres de mí Cuando quieras que esté yo contigo No tendrás un recuerdo de mí Ni tendrás más amores conmigo Te lo juro que no volveré Aunque me haga pedazos la vida Si una vez con locura te amé Ya de mi alma estarás despedida No volveré Te lo juro por Dios que me mira Te lo digo llorando de rabia Yo no volveré No volveré 
Basta ver que mi llanto ha formado Un arroyo de olvido anegado Donde yo tu recuerdo ahogaré I don't think we're in Kansas anymore, Toto. So straight away, you've been introduced to my favorite contradiction or paradox about Chavela Vargas, which is, I don't think I've ever heard a singer who sounds more vulnerable than she does in this song and many of her songs. Uh, but at the same time, she's such a badass and so strong and such a powerful figure, both on stage and off. But this is a point I really want to emphasize, that learning about her biography and how she grew up and what she, how she lived her life, when you know that context, you can really understand where that genuine emotion is coming from. But... The important thing for me is that I don't think we should need to know a singer's personal biography before we can appreciate their performance. We have this layered understanding of Chavela Vargas's biography because of all that's been published and there is a documentary. And we're not going to ignore that because it's important and it's interesting and it provides context. But I do want to make the point that if she, if her kind of life story were obscure, I believe her performances would merit just as much praise and laudatory statements as we would make otherwise. That said, let's listen to another piece of music from this same record, and then we'll talk about a little bit of that biographical context. This is the first recording of what became Chavela Vargas's probably most famous song or the one people associate with her uh you may if you saw the movie frida you've heard this before uh chavela vargas appears in the movie this you know of course was it was filmed 40 years after this recording uh she's dressed as death and it's kind of a dreamy sequence and chavela she sits across from the table from uh frida Kahlo and pours her a drink. Here's the first recording of Chavela Vargas doing La Llorona, The Weeping Woman. A un santo Cristo de fierro llorona mis penas le conté yo A un santo Cristo de fierro llorona mis penas le conté yo ¿Cuáles no serían mis penas, llorona, que el santo Cristo lloró? ¿Cuáles no serían mis penas, llorona, que el santo Cristo lloró? Ay, de mi llorona, llorona de un campo lirio. De mi llorona, llorona de un campo lirio. El que no sabe de amores, llorona, no sabe lo que es martirio. 
El que no sabe de amores Llorona no sabe lo que es Martín Okay, pass the handkerchief. Uh, so very briefly, let's look at this biography I've been alluding to now. Um, Chavela Vargas was born almost exactly 100 years ago. Her centenary just passed in April. Uh, she was born in 1919 in Costa Rica. And from a very young age, her parents rejected her, basically for being what they saw as odd or different. Um, Chavela Vargas never felt comfortable wearing traditional female garb. And her parents, and I guess her village, just couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle someone being different. So she was spurned by her parents and I guess by her community, uh, she left Costa Rica when she was 17 for Mexico, hoping to find a place where she could live the life she was hoping to. And she did. Um, her given name was Isabella, uh, but she says Chavela was born in 1942 when she was 23, that she adopted this persona called Chavela which became who she was the rest of her life. And Travella Vargas was famous outwardly for how she presented herself. So she did not wear dresses. She wore pants. People were shocked by that. She chomped on cigars and famously carried a pistol, eventually acquiring this reputation as la más macha de todos los machos, the most macho of the macho. But with the first macho being the feminine form of macho, macha. <laughs> so she never would have, of course, become as famous if she weren't such a great singer. And she chose to sing uh, a style of Mexican folk music called the ranchera, which was very popular also, not just a folk uh, tradition. And she tended to slow the songs down. She sang them with more of a sparse accompaniment than was usual just a guitar or two, maybe three, including one that she would be playing, which was very unusual uh, for a woman to do. She didn't change the gender pronouns in the songs. Uh, the songs tend to be very emotional songs about lost love. And even it wasn't, they were usually too emotional for men to sing unless the men were presented as being very inebriated. So that was a part of the tradition, too, that this kind of outpouring of emotion could only come in a drunken state for a man. But Chavela, though she drank a lot, we'll get to that. It's, it's it, like I said, we're full of paradoxes here with Chavela Vargas. Uh, and she kind of ascended into Bohemian Mexican culture and society and famously uh, had a love affair with Frida Kahlo. That's been pretty well documented and she claims to have had one night stands with all of these prestigious women in Mexican society, politicians, wives, even uh, Ava Gardner uh, allegedly was one of her conquests. She sang at Elizabeth Taylor's wedding in Acapulco. So she really became this figure of renown 
all the all the while still not having recorded any records, just building this reputation just from singing in clubs, usually smaller clubs in Mexico. So she finally recorded two LPs in 1961 when she was 42 years old. And I want to play one of her most iconic songs, which is from the first LP she ever released called Noche Bohemia, Bohemian Night. This is called La Macarena. Chavela Vargas wrote the music uh, for this song, adapted from a poem by a poet named Alfonso Camin. And I want to read a quote uh, from Marvette Perez, who is the curator of Latin American culture and music for the Smithsonian Museum of American History. She's quoted as saying, quote, I don't think there could be a more queer song for a woman to sing. The song says, put your hand right here, Macarena. And whenever Chavela sang the song, she put such sexuality, desire, and kind of sensuality into it that you knew why she was singing and to who she was singing it. She was singing it to a woman. Close quote. Now, Travella didn't officially come out as being lesbian until she was 81 years old in 2000. But it was, it was an open secret. And it was songs like this that helped build... Chavela's reputation, and became someone that uh, queer, lesbian women in Mexico could look up to and identify with. And on top of all that, I really dig the slinky minor key groove Chavela wrote for this piece. Here it is, La Macarena, Chavela Vargas, 1961. Escapaba tu saya buscando la cuerda raya que al ver tu talle tan fino las cañas azucares se echaban por el camino para Corina, ponme la mano, ponme la mano, prima Corina, ponme la mano. Tus senos, carne de anón, tu boca una bendición de guanábana madura, y era tu fina cintura. La misma de aquel danzón Ponme la mano, prima Corina Ponme la mano So we are limited on time here and we just don't have time to do justice to Chavela Vargas's life and legacy and her artistic achievements. Uh, but if you're interested and I highly recommend checking out a documentary made. Uh, it's called Chavela. It's on Amazon Prime Video right now. And also she wrote an autobiography, but it's never been translated into English, so you need to read it in Spanish. And I'm sure there's lots of cool details in there. Uh, but 
spoiler alert, uh, the rest of her biography goes something like she continued to sing and perform through the 60s and 70s, a lot of times alienating people who loved her because she was an extremely heavy drinker. And finally, I think in 1979, she just vanished from uh, public awareness in Mexico. Many people really had thought she had died. And I think she was absent from public life for over a decade. And she fell into deep poverty. She couldn't even afford food for herself. It's a pretty remarkable story how far she fell. But then, starting in the early 90s, her career and life started to have this renaissance. And she had a long-term romance with someone. who It ended badly, but I think it helped propel her back to more of a normal life. And then she found this, she found a whole new generation of fans. Her song started to appear in several uh, Pedro Almodovar movies. You've probably heard them. And they developed a very close relationship. And yeah, that's, and that's kind of when she came around to performing at Carnegie Hall and so forth. And it's really a remarkable story. And I do recommend uh, seeking it out. And just very briefly, we have a second artist today where profiling, uh, Wilma Burgess, who came out as lesbian in the 60s. She was pretty far ahead of her time. Uh, She was a country singer. She kind of was a reluctant country star. She wanted to be a PE teacher, but uh, producer heard her sing. Owen Bradley, who was uh, suffering, he was trying to replace Patsy Cline, like on his roster and kind of thought Wilma Burgess could fill the role. Um, She had moderate success on the charts. Um, She never really had a runaway hit. She ended up in Nashville, and she opened the first uh, lesbian bar in Nashville, which is kind of cool, the Hitchin Post, I think it was called. And the story goes that Wilma Burgess tried to uh, sing, if she were singing love songs, uh, sing them with gender-neutral pronouns and that she bargained for with the producer uh she did sing a couple on her first record that say he or a man and those were bargained like in return for singing those the producer let her choose a couple songs and i don't i can't confirm this but i think the song we're about to hear is one that she probably lobbied for this is i'm living in two worlds
Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with a new Unaffected in a couple weeks. See you next time. This has been an Ambivert Media Production.